All right, it's been a good day. It's been a good day of podcasting. Sleepy boy Scotty is gonna get into bed. Let me just fluff up this pillow and get under my fur blanket and just get a little. You should put in like a. <laughs> yes, Dream Wizard. I will put in that audio cue. Scotty. Hello? Scotty, you have to do a podcast. I'm I'm sorry. I know the subject of this episode, but who is this that I'm currently talking to? Because I don't think it's them. It's Freddy (laughs) Krueger. Wait, wait, wait. No, I can fix it. It's Freddy Krueger. Nope, it's not any. It's Freddy Krueger? It's it's your old pal. (laughs) That was Grunkle Stan. (laughs) Hey, kids, it's me, Freddy Krueger. It's Freddy Krueger. I'm in in your nightmares. (laughs) (laughs) It's me, Freddy Krueger, making cameos in all the MCU films. (laughs) And you know what else, kids? It's fun fiction. What was that? (laughs) Art. So welcome to Fun Fiction, the show where two idiots ruin that thing you like and never sleep again. Ah! I'm Scotty Moore. And... Less of a dream demon and more of a dream daddy. I'm Megan Danger. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so last week, Megan, you looked at me and said, we're just going to do an episode on Freddy Krueger in general, but I would love for you to watch New Nightmare, which I did. And that's why I now unfortunately have to tell the audience this episode is not about Freddy Krueger as a whole. It is about this doo-doo garbage film <laughs> that <laughs> Megan made me watch. <laughs> I even like wrote it in my diary my diary was like what's three amazing things that happened to you today and I was like oh well I had a lovely morning with my daughter and I also saw my new favorite terrible film ever New Nightmare you're welcome every every week or not every week however many times a month it's my week I try to shower you with gifts this was a gift i was just <laughs> certainly a gift uh it is also the most anxiety inducing film ever because like we rarely we've not done this lately i do think we need to plot synopsis break down what this film is about but the opening to it well bef- is- before I, I feel like we gotta give like a hey Nightmare on Elm Street, or slasher movies in the 80s, where uh, a man with unfortunate, like, pizza pocket skin uh, (laughs) appears in an ugly sweater and, like, a fedora, uh, appears in your dreams and slices you up real good. Um, They've always been Now, wait a minute. Megan, you're trying to introduce these people to the concept of Freddy Krueger, but if the film New Nightmare is to be believed... 
Much like Santa Claus and Jesus Christ of Nazareth, everybody knows about Freddy Krueger. I don't think we need to introduce this concept because according to New Nightmare, I could walk outside and see eight different posters bespoke on the side of the road for Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, everybody knows that he's a character in Dead by Daylight. Uh... <laughs> He's the latest Fortnite boy. You know, Freddy Krueger gets in there, he starts just dancing around. Freddy Krueger flosses in Fortnite. Um, <laughs> I've always loved the first one a lot uh, because it's campy and it's fun. And there's like one or two scenes in there that are like really good and creepy. Um, I've only ever also, I've seen the second one, the third one, and New Nightmare. And that's it. I have not seen the fourth, fifth, or sixth one. There are oh, there is a very, <laughs> uh, very good line in the film where, because this is the seventh film, New Nightmare is. They're interviewing Heather Langenkamp about it, and they went, "That was a great series of five different films." <laughs> <laughs> and they just do not reference the sixth. One. We are not going to talk about what was it? Was Freddy's Dead or Freddy's Ultimate Revenge? Freddy's Electric it's Boogaloo. <laughs> Five Nights at Freddy's Electric <laughs> Boogaloo. That's the one where they talk about how he's like the the son of a hundred maniacs. It's really fucking terrible. I read a synopsis because I'm like, I'm not going to watch that. Uh, See, Freddy to me, like, I guess we can somewhat discuss the character of Frederick Krueger. Is firstly the least intimidating. I don't know why I was ever afraid of him. Because then you see him and it is just... Robert England, who is not, he does not cut a terribly frightening <laughs> silhouette. <laughs> I mean, you said he looks like, you're like, this dude looks like Ryan Stiles. And I'm like, oh, fuck, damn it. <laughs> he do look like Ryan Stiles without the makeup on. And with the makeup on, it looks like Ryan Stiles fell in some spaghetti. Yeah, the the guy from the, the new, the reboot, which I still haven't watched, does look more... I think, we, I think we made fun of him before that he looks we more did, like a murder pedophile than Robert Englund does. Which is another bizarre thing about old Frederick Krueger, is how quickly this film was like, you know everybody loves Freddy. There's a scene where a studio audience goes crazy over Freddy Krueger. The pedophile murderer. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here like, what's bad is it's not a lie. No. Freddy's popular, but he is also a murderous pedophile. Um, So I was saving it, but that's actually Wes Craven based that off of an actual thing that happened, which is that he had to go on TV in like a... I don't know, some kind of talk show shit where it was about like, are these movies, you know, bad because like the children or whatever. But apparently the studio audience was, in fact, full of families. And that when they started talking about it, the kids started chanting like, yeah, Freddy Krueger, we love it. So uh, awkward life. Weird. Life, life is strange. Truth is stranger than fiction. That's the phrase. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff in this that, well, I mean, due to the content of it is inspired by real life uh i do have one absolutely hilarious thing under the production notes which is that wes craven had intended to ask johnny depp to return for this film but he was too afraid he was skirt at johnny depp in, and was in like 1994 johnny depp <laughs> 
I think that was around scissor hands time. So that he was starting to kind of get a little extra stock in his tank. But apparently after the film was released, Wes ran into Johnny Depp and was like, uh, yeah, it's funny. I wanted to ask you, but you know, it's just you're famous. And I just was like, I don't think and Johnny was, of course, like, <laughs> which translated me <laughs> which translated means i would have been happy to do it if you had just asked me you coward so i hope everyone learned a valuable lesson from that <laughs> yeah i actually take uh, duolingo for johnny depp so i can <laughs> try to learn it to translate it <laughs> that's uh let's get into the plot of the film in deppian <laughs> So, yeah, New Nightmare, uh, 10 years after the first one, the sequels are horrendous, and they're like, all right, what, how are we going to fix this? How are we going to tie, tie this in a neat bow until Freddy versus Jason? This was them trying to tie it up into a bow? I mean, this was because Wes Craven hates all the sequels apart from this one. Wes Craven is a madman. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> This is not tying the plot up in a bow. This is pulling out wrapping paper, setting it on fire, and throwing it through your neighbor's window. This is nothing. So the reason that I asked you to watch this one specifically is because it is very, well, it's very, it's, the concept is very different uh, from the other ones. So you said like, what's so scary about Freddy? Freddy is, is kind of just a weird, gross man. Uh, what what kills people is like he's scary when you're a little kid because he kills you in your dreams. You can't, yeah. you know, you could lock your doors and do all your other shit, but like the creep, the creepy that is, pizza pocket man lives in your mind. <laughs> see, that is the other thing, like that they did really well in the first one. Like you said, is this whole? It's not Freddy himself that's scary. It's the scenes where it's like. Oh, fuck, I can't go to sleep, and, like, having coffee on the end table and chugging it to, I can't go to sleep, shit like that, like, that's really good horror, because you don't need the villain. The horror is literally inherent in something we all have to deal with, which is having to sleep every night. And some of the transitional scenes are so great, where, like, uh, when she's, like, in class or something, and... It's, like, it's kind of, it's, like, when you realize that you're having a dream, because it's, like, yeah, no, this is, like, normal... Yeah, I'm just outside my house now. This is just how this happens. And then slowly, like, things are changing and just, I don't know, this kind of, like, unreality that is really cool to see how they kind of portray it. And then there's just all of the other, you know, fun bullshit, like watching Johnny Depp get sucked into his mattress and then blended. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so this one is, uh, takes place 10 years in the future. In real life. So that's, that's what it is. So it's like, okay, what if we took that fear and took it one step further? It's not just that he's in your dreams. Oh, it's fine. He's just a character. He's not real. Or is he? But is he, though? <laughs> so the opening thing of the film, which if you want to read the script for, fast forward to the end of the film, <laughs> uh, just see someone working on a robot Freddy claw. Which has never been a thing, I don't think. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, this prop that's very important, a severed Freddy hand with claws on it. And I'm like, I don't remember this ever being relevant. I don't think you need animatronics for that. Just a dude's hand, really? And then the animatronic goes fucking insane and just starts <laughs> killing people. 
So well, so and you got it. So it starts off with making you think like it's Freddy Krueger, and now he's got a new robot hand, and then it like kind of zooms out from that, and it's like, oh no, it's people working on the set of the new Freddy Krueger film, and then it zooms out from that. <laughs> yeah to a dream oh by the way when i say animatronic it's not like a full-bodied freddy it is a single hand like the thing from the adams family just dicking around and clawing into people (sighs) whoa wait a minute what if the move the movie set we see at the beginning is the real real life and then what we see for the rest of the movie is just the movie that those people were filming Wait, no, they got murdered. Yeah, that doesn't work. Never mind. My clever idea doesn't work. It almost worked. So um, so that's it's all actually a dream that Heather Langenkamp, the the actress who played Nancy in the first and third movie, uh was having. Yes, and she wakes up, uh talks to her husband Chase, who's one of those people that like is attractive but not, you know what I mean, where you're just like I could no, I wouldn't. And then also in the house lives the greatest little boy. <laughs> My favorite little bundle of joy. You hated him so much, and then you did a, a full 180. <laughs> I did a 180 on him because he's that bad. He's that <laughs> terrible. He's a ba- This kid was like, what, four or five years old? I have seen children wrench tears at. It's not I've hard seen for a children. child. Well, it's actually- not hard for a child to wrench tears out of me as a father, but this child i've got a great story also about something that they did to that boy (laughs) oh no see for because like obviously dylan is kind of playing the uh what the fuck is it not andy what's the name of the boy in the shining uh danny danny yeah he's playing the danny role of like the child who's going through the shit and you're having to watch the only problem is the actor who played danny my like deserves an oscar compared to fucking dylan who (laughs) doing his best he look he knows how to do one thing very well and that's shriek his little baby lungs out (laughs) yeah normally you would see like like fucking uh poltergeist they're here they tried that no, the most you got out of this little shit was, eh, don't go to sleep. <laughs> At one point, Freddy's voice replaces Dylan's, and I went, this is actually better. <laughs> this is a better thing to see. So, yeah, Heather's got a lot going on. There's earthquakes happening for some reason. Her husband, who is a special effects guy, which he is, her real-life husband is, they asked him, they and then he wanted to get do- him, and he said it was too close to home. <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, Dylan is her son, and he's a weird little fucker. Um, oh, fucking love Dylan. So here's, <laughs> love here's that the kid. thing. When they were, I'm not sure if this was when he was, like, auditioning or, like, they went during the shooting or something, but uh, Wes Craven was saying something like, okay, we need him to cry. Like, we need him to cry now. And this little boy's father, his, his real-life actual father, is like, no problem, I got this. And uh, they, they made his mom leave because apparently she was there and then he like they waited however long time and his father whispered in his ear your mom's dead oh my god (laughs) when i read that i was like are you fucking serious holy shit i want to go back in time and adopt dylan now from (laughs) because also 
Heather, film Heather, not actual Heather Langenkamp. Terrible mother in this film, not but we'll great, get into yeah. that a little bit later. <laughs> also, are the earthquakes ever acknowledged as why it's happening? They're just a thing that's happening. Which uh, actually coincided with real earthquakes that were happening during the filming of it. And I guess Wes was just like, uh-oh. Oh, no, I wrote this in the script and then it's coming true. Oh, wait, uh, the, the other thing that Heather's dealing with, because like I said, she's got a lot going on. Um, She's got a creepy stalker who keeps calling the house. And he talks like Freddy Krueger and he's just freddy fucking krueger it's just freddy krueger <laughs> they didn't put enough import on it for me to ever consider that she's crazy you know because like they're really trying to play it as a psychological horror of maybe freddy's not coming back maybe this fan messing with her and all of these weird things together is just driving her insane not once because the moment <laughs> she picked up that phone i said that's freddy fucking krueger <laughs> you cannot lie to me that's my boy fredward there's a great part where it's like the phone's ringing and she picks it up and it just goes like one two and she's like ah, and she hangs it up and of course it immediately rings again and she's just like well i guess i'm gonna pick it up again and uh, because he knows he's only got a limited amount of time it's like freddy's coming for you he knew he had to He's only got so many minutes before his AT&T runs out. Uh, so keep in mind, all of what we're telling you happens in like the first 10 minutes of this film. Because it's that, picks up the phone, then she tells the limo driver to go fuck himself because she thinks it's Freddy again. Then she has to go to New Line Cinema who asks her to be in a new Freddy movie. She says no, then finds out her husband has been going around her back working on it which, wow, good relationship there, uh, then comes back home. There's a million different fucking things happening at once. I'm having a panic attack at this point <laughs> watching this film. Yeah, Scotty's texting me like, this is all so much. <laughs> Give me a moment to breathe, Wes. Please. No. Uh, she comes home and Dylan's watching the first Nightmare on Elm Street film. Because once again, there's a one running theme in this film, and it's that Heather Langenkamp is a terrible mother. So he watches Nightmare. Na Wait, hold on. Wikipedia calls her Nancy. <laughs> Not calling her Heather. Uh, Heather interrupts. Dylan does what Dylan do. Scream like a motherfucker. <laughs> Uh, she calls her husband to rush home because Dylan is screaming incessantly and won't fucking shut up. Please come home and stifle our screaming child. <laughs> I'm gonna tell him you died. <laughs> that on the way home, uh, Chase gets a, a frequent handy from Freddy Krueger and then dies in a field. <laughs> That's exactly what he, fall, he falls asleep while he's driving because it's late at night and I guess he just hadn't planned for this. But yeah, um, it's it's so fucking bad. Like, it's so bad because he's just like, uh, uh, and it's like you could, he has ample like time and like cognizant like to realize I'm about to fall. Yes. Like, I've been in that state before of I'm about to fall asleep. 
I'm gonna pull over and get an energy drink or something. But what you're not bringing up is the fact that at the exact same time, Freddy's glove comes out of the car seat. Well, that's what I was coming just, for next. <laughs> it just goes right for his dick. And I was just sitting there so excited to see some dick-based violence in this film. And then the glove shoots up higher and stabs him in the stomach. And I was like, Wes, no, you had me right there, bud. He just had to latch on and scratch back. I was so excited to see some dick-faced violence, Scotty Moore, 2021. <laughs> oh, wait, that would have made the next, I don't know where it takes place in the film, but the next scene all the better, where Oh, where she has Heather to go identify go the body. She has to go identify the body, and actually, I don't even think she does. They call her and are like, no, it's definitely him. She busts into a morgue unannounced and is like, I think she just barely says who she is and then is like, let me see all your dead bodies, please. Not all of them. She just wants to see <laughs> come in and is like, get the corpses in a row. She wants to see the one specific dead body of her husband. And you're yikes, saying it would have been- Yikes, yikes, yikes. And let me guess, he has a great <laughs> personality. And she walks out. Uh, so she walks so up to her husband. You're saying it would have been way better if that when she looks at the body, the dick's just all fucked up. Yeah, well, no, because what it is, is they just show the face. So that way, you know, you could pay your respects privately and that's it. And then she's like, mm, pull that sheet down a little bit, big man. <laughs> Mama needs a little to, more than that. They pull it. She pulls it down. And obviously the claw marks are there to let her know that Ding Dang Frederick Krueger did this. I'm presupposing. I really wish it was just the mangled dick. So she pulls it down. His chest is fine. And then it's just like. Well, oh, God. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> Shocking. Absolutely fucking no one. Dylan is very upset that his dad is dead in a field after getting a ferocious <laughs> hand job. God, that's uh, so good. <laughs> he uh, gets paranoid. He never wants to go to sleep. He fears Freddy Krueger because he's a child and that's what children do. Uh, wait, it says even though Heather has never shown Dylan her films, he's afraid of Freddy Krueger. He watched it earlier in the... F well, that she just walks up and it's just on the TV and, like, the TV uh, isn't plugged in and shit. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, also, at one point, she calls... Uh, calls fucking Ryan Stiles, who's just like... <laughs> Well, because they, they 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 were hanging out. It's not like she just calls him out of the blue, like, "Hey, I'm thinking about Fred. I'm thinking about that Freddy Krueger." Like they were just on like a TV show together, and then like he goes yeah. to like the funeral because like clearly they've stayed in touch. So it's not that apparently a weird. lot of old nightmare actors were in that funeral scene too. Um, <laughs> text Freddy, you up? <laughs> yes, you up? Too bad I can't come over then. <laughs> Uh, so she calls oh, him and he's just like what have you been seeing and she's like well Freddy but he's scarier and then Robert England almost as if he's jealous goes so you're telling me he's darker and more more scary and more visceral fucking what has he got that I don't like that's the whole vibe of it but then he's also just like I'm painting <laughs> yeah yeah you know how robert england loves to paint no one else knew that even his wife who said he's never painted a day in his life and west got all of those made for this film i mean it's a movie i really don't think anybody's particularly he, uh, but yeah he's just like i've been painting 
dark things. I'm going to go away for the rest of the movie. Bye. That's the other thing. I thought, like, maybe the earthquakes, like I told you, was opening a, a rift in reality that Robert England, because he's been forced to play a goofy version of this character he invented, Robert's trying to get, like, dark influence... That's what I was hoping for, but no, he just fucks up for the rest of the film. And earthquakes mean nothing. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen more of like Robert like the Robert England like character in it as a yeah. thing, because I think that would have been like a fun contrast, but I wonder if maybe I they loved, were like uh, worried. I loved his introduction as Freddy. <laughs> the crowd being like, fuck yeah! yeah fuck yeah, it's Freddy! And he just like does a little dance on this talk show that he's on with, with Heather. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, they seem they seem scared to have him as himself in the movie too much. Yeah, yeah, it looks like um, I'm trying to see where the oh this Wikipedia article is shit because it's like bouncing around the plot to make it actually make sense, and unfortunately that's not what we can do. So I'd like to cut ahead to my favorite scene in the whole fucking film, which is where <laughs> Nancy or whatever is talking to one of those actors that make you go, I know them. And that's it. So they're talking. And to reemphasize a point that I've made quite a few times, Heather Langenkamp is a terrible mother because Dylan, her son who has gotten no sleep and is terrified of a man that is in his dreams, just fucks up and climbs the <laughs> tallest structure on this playground and then holds his hands to the sky as if he wishes to fight God himself. <laughs> well, because because his mom, you know, she told him, like, Dad, God took Dad into heaven. It's fine. And then he was like, do you have to die to meet God? At which point, Heather, the idiot, says, mm, probably not. Heather, <laughs> if you've read the Bible, if you look upon his face, you will be driven to madness. So, yeah, you gotta die, I think. Uh, so he goes up, holds his hands, while once again, Heather, mother of the year, ignoring the whole affair. Until <laughs> he's two seconds away from falling, they rush over. I thought he was gonna, like, Gwen Stacy snap his neck on the way down because he got some speed built up. And then... <laughs> line of the fucking film. Would you like to deliver it? As he looks up at his mother and says... God didn't want me. <laughs> Holy shit! It's so fucking raw. So Dylan eventually like get, gets put into a hospital uh, because of fucking everything. And instead of staying with her boy, like a good mother would, mm -hmm. Heather fucks off to go hang out with Wes Craven for the most insane scene <laughs> in this entire film. <laughs> Which is saying something. <laughs> yeah, because Wes is a precog, I guess, <laughs> and he's receiving visions of the future in his nightmares, and he's writing those visions down to capture an ancient supernatural entity 
who's apparently really enjoying being Freddy Krueger and just wants to come hang on our plane of reality for a while. I love it. I love it. It's so fucking weird. They could have just stuck with like, oh, Wes Craven's got some kind of fucked up powers now, I guess. But nah, we had to introduce. It's because he's just like, it's not Freddy. It's some kind of dark, unnamed, ancient evil that's taken the form of, you know... A, a, a slasher villain from the 80s. <laughs> a dude I made up once. Uh, and so then he's like, there's only one way to defeat him. You have to play the character of Nancy again. We're gonna... Because like at the beginning of the film was like, hey, we're starting a new movie. Would you like to come back as Nancy? No. Oh, well now you have to be in the movie or else Freddy Krueger's gonna kill everyone you know and love. Which, you know, in a way also seems like bribery in a very bizarre roundabout way to get her into this movie. But then she just fucks off and then we never address the movie again. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we sort do, of do. But in the stupidest way possible. Uh, so <laughs> Freddy is now focused on Heather because Nancy was the first person to defeat Freddy in a movie that was... I fucking hate this film. Um, uh, another earthquake. They go to the hospital. The nurse sucks so much fucking dick because she is the representative of everyone who's like, violent films cause violent children. This isn't good. Blah, blah, blah. She's the embodiment of that. So we get to live in Nancy Reagan's America for about five <laughs> minutes. Apparently this was based on uh, someone who w worked in like the MPAA ratings board that Wes Craven knew specifically and fucking hated. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so then uh, Dylan and the only good adult in this film, his babysitter, Heather, or his babysitter, uh, Julie, Love Julie. Julie rips ass because they're like, we're going to give the boy a sedative. And Julie says, fuck no. And then the other nurse behind her has a second sedative, which I don't think is legal to like just give to a child. No, I don't they think stab so. the boy. So then Julie just says, fuck it, and just starts throwing hands and just takes down everyone before picking up one needle and going, I got no fucking clue what's in this needle, but I'll put it in your body and you don't know what's in it either. Get out. <laughs> and then they leave. Julie fucking rules. Shame she immediately gets murked by Freddy, though. Yeah, that does happen, unfortunately. Yeah, it is a, a callback to one of the murders from the first one where... They kind of they have one of those rooms that flip around into all different angles and Freddy's dragging her across the ceiling and shit like that. So then <laughs> um, what what happens next, Scotty? I I'm trying to remember because so much happens. Is this where uh, famed actor dad boy suddenly starts because I believe Dylan disappears or something. I, I think I got fucked, dude. I don't know. Dylan's gone. Yeah, this is how then, he goes under like the covers and he's gone. I, I'm something like yeah. that. But yeah, then then the actor who had played her dad, just Mr. John Saxon, starts, uh, he starts calling her Nancy. <laughs> yeah, it is a, you, what you said earlier, uh, every single one of these has one good scene. This is that one good scene <laughs> because it's genuinely creepy. Because up until this point, everything has been at least somewhat based in reality. And you kind of always, 
it, there was a clear snap, right? Like there was a clear, oh, this isn't right. This has changed, but it was all based in reality. Now shit's real fucking crazy. And we're on the set of Nightmare on Elm Street 1 again. Yeah, like she she goes into like her, the, the house from the first uh, movie and she just is like becoming Nancy and it's really trippy and like there's uh, there's cool concepts embedded in this fucking bizarre ass movie but unfortunately uh the, 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 that's the, the the cool stuff stops and um yeah we see we see freddy freddy well uh <laughs> they, they, she goes into the house and actually there's a really nice callback because the beginning of the movie she reads dylan um not goldilocks which one is it uh oh um Hansel and Gretel. Hansel and Gretel. And so when she goes in, Dylan has left sleeping pills for her to let her know where to go and where Freddy took him into the dream world. Because even that's a complicated concept <laughs> of what does it mean to go into a dream world? Is your body still there? Are you just disappeared for a few? And Wes thought, okay, people got that. Let's throw some more shit on top of it. <laughs> just see what happens. Uh, so then... She takes two of the sleeping pills and ends up in what I can only describe as hell itself yeah. or a Skyrim level. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like kind of like the boiler room where he was where he done got murdered. But like it's now in hell. It's in hell. There's like actual like statues. It's like a crypt almost. So then they fight Freddy. Freddy got a real long tongue, and I hate it. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's a piece of trivia in IMDb, and I honestly just, I love the way it's phrased more than anything else. And uh, that is, it took two days to film the climactic tongue scene. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, I hate it. Uh, so Dylan runs into a furnace because he is a baby. And so he can hide from the flames. Freddy, Michael Jordan in Space Jams his arm out, <laughs> trying to grab the boy. Nancy comes in, stabs him. Then they swap around. Then Tongue wraps around. Then Dylan stabs him. Then they throw him into a furnace and light him on fire. Welcome back to reality. Hey, hey, hey Hansel and Gretel again. Yeah. So they, uh, they hug and then she looks down. What's that at her feet? The script for the film we just watched, and I, if my daughter had not just gotten back from her grandparents, I would have audibly screamed, ah, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you. Uh, oh, wait, wait, the, the best part of it, though, is we hear there's a voiceover of Wes Craven, uh, because the cover of the script has a note that's like, hey, Heather, thanks for having the guts to play Nancy again. Wes and it's like hey Heather sorry I like murdered your husband and traumatized you and your child with my weird film magics Wes XOXO <laughs> Big Daddy Wes <laughs> sorry your hubs is dead and also those two people from the beginning of the film they also died but we didn't bring that up in this plot synopsis we did not well that was oh yeah wait that's right they did also die in real life <laughs> Yeah, because they were just like, there was just a random scene where they're like, their bodies were found in a field, Everybody's and they were clawed just, up. Everybody's just in fields. So that was New Nightmare. 
I hate it. <laughs> I hate it so fucking much. But I also, and I've not talked because like I'm usually a kind of quiet, just enjoy the film type. I was having a conversation with this movie <laughs> and I didn't know that was possible, but just scenes would begin and I'd be like, oh, okay, Wes, I understand. Yeah, I get this. Where are you going, bud? Why are you climbing to the top of that fucking thing? <laughs> Look, it's it's uh, it's transgressive cinema because it's cre- uh, it's creating a dialogue between you and the film. Seventy nine percent of the reviews were positive. Because we were still recovering from the cocaine 80s. <laughs> yeah. So, do you want to go first this week, or do you want me to go first this week? Um, I mean, mine is... Uh, so, we, uh, we, we spoke off mic, and we know that we both uh, did pitches. However, mine is sort of more of an elevator pitch, and... Well, what's the, op- what's the opposite of, it, of an elevator uh, I'm sitting at a Starbucks. I'm on my keyboard. I have not ordered anything. And I want to tell you about my movie. That's this bit. So I, I guess I, I guess I'll take first. Go um, for it. You remember when we did Spider-Man and you were like, huh, you did a you did a fan fiction on Freakazoid? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not even Spider-Man. It's very off the beaten path. It's not. It doesn't really connect to our original IP. I need to preemptively tell you that this does somewhat connect to New Nightmare because I'm playing with the idea of fiction and reality melding together and characters coming from real life and kind of mixing kayfabe and reality. Mm -hmm. So don't get mad. But we begin things in just a few short months at WWE Survivor Series 2021. God damn it, Scott. You can't say don't. I should have known when you fucking said kayfabe. Piece of shit. Uh, Well, okay. We start on an episode of Raw right before Survivor Series. The current WWE champion, Biggie Langston, takes on Seth Rollins in a two out of three falls match. Seth gets the first fall with a curb stomp because baby faces can't look strong in WWE anymore, I fucking guess. Biggie retaliates. This means anything to me. I don't know these people. It's, it's okay. Biggie's a big, big strong boy who I love, and he's in the new day. And Seth Rollins is CrossFit Jesus. So CrossFit Jesus uh, gets hit with the big ending for the second fall. They beat the hell out of each other. Biggie gets Seth up on the second rope, goes for an avalanche big ending. Seth holds on to the ropes by his feet. Biggie takes a bump. Seth go- jumps from the top rope. It's a curb stomp. Sends Biggie's skull into the mat. Gets the pinfall. One, two, three. One of the most despised men in WWE history. Seth Rollins just pinned one of WWE's top baby faces for the championship. But what we're really focused on is what happens afterwards. When we see a drone fly in from the crowd, a camera attached to the bottom surveying the scene, kind of looking at what's going on, flies away. Rollins then goes on to Survivor Series to face the Universal Champion Roman Reigns, simply because that's a match I want to fucking see. Seth loses after the drone once again comes down to the ring, and it becomes this kind of paranoia thing. This drone continuously watching him, he feels like there's a conspiracy against him, but he does have a decent reign as champion, defending against John Morrison, Randy Orton, Keith Lee. Those Most sure are names. John Morrison, 
a name he got because they said, hey, you kind of look like Jim Morrison. Oof. That's it. Oof. And that's where his name came from. <laughs> Fast forward to the Royal Rumble in January. Features an epic Rumble match that's won by Keith Lee. Roman Reigns retains his title against Drew McIntyre. I love your face during all of this. And an epic clash for the WWE Championship as Rollins stands face to face with one of his greatest foes, the rated R superstar, Edge. Edge is doing my favorite shit right now, which is he's just old man Logan, and I fucking love that. He's, this is his last run, he wants to make it count, he wants the WWE Championship, but Rollins is up the ante, and he puts, he forces Edge to put his career on the line. If Edge loses this match, or any match ever again, there is no more rated R superstar in WWE. Rollins basically says, this is for your own good, if you keep doing this, it will kill you. Which is legit, like he's got a fucked up neck. Uh, Rollins says, I'm going to end your career so I can save your life, but unfortunately, no matter what Rollins can do, Edge will not stay down. He DDTs him onto his neck. Edge gets up, stomps his head into the mat. Edge gets up. Rollins finally gets so frustrated that he gets a chair thrown into the ring by Austin Theory. Austin distracts the referee, and then Rollins wraps a chair around Edge's surgically repaired neck climbs to the top rope and gets ready to hit the same curb stomp off the top that won him the title. Rollins jumps off, Edge avoids the stomp, gets his head out of the chair and sends Rollins' foot directly down into the steel. He then Irish whips Rollins into Austin Theory. Austin gets knocked out, he cannot interfere. He turns around, boom, spear into the chair by Edge. One, two, three. Ladies and gentlemen, the winner and new WWE Champion, the Rated R Superstar, Edge. And as that is announced, I am we disassociating see right now. You're about to get very happy. So as that is gets announced, the drone once again comes down. Edge kind of looks at it like, what the fuck? Flies down, looks at Rollins, and then comes back up to Edge's face before flying towards the Titantron, which is the big, big TV that's at the front of the ramp. And then the Titantron turns on and you hear quiet clapping and you see a leather-bound chair with its back turned to the camera and you hear this narration. Hello, Adam, Edge, Jack, whatever you want to be called this week. I just wanted to come here and say... Congratulations. And unlike a lot of the inbred swine in this audience, I mean it. Congratulations, because now with that belt in your hand, I can take your career into mine. Because it doesn't matter who wins that little Royal Rumble tonight, they can go lose to your little buddy Roman in the main event, just like you did last year. No, whoever faces the Rated R Superstar at WrestleMania will be an opponent of my choosing because when you have the kind of money I do, Vince McMahon listens to every word I have to say. So get ready, Mr. Copeland, because the rumble's coming. And I don't mean tonight's main event. Which point the chair turns around to reveal Darius the <laughs> motherfucking rumble grouch. <laughs> Did you really need like three different wrestling fights as a preamble. I had to explain why Rollins had the belt at the Rumble. Did you, Biggie, did you, Scotty? Because 
because I because he just think, got drafted to I, Raw, and like I thought that would be anyway. I don't think ninety percent of our audience is going to know. We've got some wrestle babies in the audience, and I want to make sure they know what's going on, even though I constantly shit on WWE to them. Uh, so now we're on the road to WrestleMania. There's two big shows on the way: Elimination Chamber and Fast Lane. It's okay. I'm gonna focus more on story stuff than fight stuff. The only other fight we have after this is incredibly stupid, and I'm very excited to talk about it. Uh, the big running story leading up to everything is who the Rumble's choice will be to face Edge, because he is an old man and cannot fight Edge. My original plan coward, was... Coward, coward. I was originally going to have him fight, and then I was like, ah, damn it, but then I want to make it good. <laughs> it's going to be weird to try to make Kelsey Grammer a threat. Uh, yeah, during that's, the build that's up, the part that's weird. Uh, during the build-up to the Elimination Chamber, Edge is basically saying, what the fuck's going on? And we learn that Kelsey Grammer has snapped. Kelsey Grammer has gone insane and believes that he is his character from the money plane. Reality is begin to blend together. In case you think this is a little bit insane, they've literally done this before with Tiny Lister and The Undertaker of... People who lose track of reality think that kayfabe is real and get into legit fights. It's great. Aha. Anyways, Edge enters the main event of Elimination Chamber to face his greatest challenge. Himself trapped inside one of the most deadly structures in WWE history, facing off against Keith Lee, The Miz, Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles, and Randy Orton. Only two of those names matter. Uh, match comes down to Keith Lee, The Miz, and Edge. The Miz's associate, your friend and mine, Jim John Morrison, breaks into the ring as Bobby Lashley leaves, and he helps Miz take down Keith Lee. They beat the shit out of Keith, pin him, one, two, three, and it's now Miz versus Edge, and everyone's starting to get these rumblings of, well, Miz is a Hollywood guy, he's in, he's in the Marine. What if he's the Rumble's chosen one? Kelsey Grammer, a movie star? The Miz, a movie star with heavy air quotes there. Uh, but then the Miz is about to beat down Edge and win the title when Keith Lee takes out John Morrison, pouncing him through a cell wall to get revenge for Morrison taking him out of the match. Edge spears Miz. One, two, three. Edge retains. The last shot of the pay-per-view is Edge staring down the ramp where there is one of the drones staring back at him. So now we go to Fastlane. Miz and Morrison are furious that Keith Lee took Miz out of the match, even though Morrison interfered too. It's a heel thing. And it leads to a tag team match. The Miz and John Morrison versus Keith Lee and Edge at Fastlane. Morrison becomes suspicious of The Miz, who's been taking phone calls, hasn't devoted much time to tag team training or anything like that. He also begins to suspect that The Miz is the chosen one. Also, they've been teasing a breakup for months, so fuck it, we're gonna try to do it here. We get to the match, Edge is the babyface in peril for most of it, because it fits the old man Edge character, Keith Lee tags in, Megan is now reading a book, it's okay. <laughs> this is for me at this point. Uh, Keith Lee tags in, runs rabid, beats down Miz and Morrison, Miz scrabbles, scrambles to tag his partner back in, but then John jumps off the apron, leaves his tag partner behind, sick of his shit. Big pop from the crowd as Miz turns around into a massive Big Bang catastrophe from Keith Lee before he picks him up and drops him with the spirit bomb. That's right, Keith Lee's finishing moves are named after DBZ shit. He fucking rips. 
Crowd goes crazy. Lee and Edge stand side by side after their victory when suddenly the drone comes down, gets in the ring and stares down Edge once again. Lee snaps, grabs the drone. Crowd goes crazy as Keith literally dismantles the drone. He's a big strong boy and he does it. Crowd's cheering until suddenly Edge turns his back and Keith Lee, the beloved babyface, cracks the drone over the back of Edge's skull. He grabs Edge by his neck, plucks him up onto his shoulders, and drops him with repeated spirit bombs onto his injured neck. The crowd is baffled, shocked, and furious that Keith Lee has turned their, his back on them. Uh, then on Raw, we get a vignette of Keith Lee sat in the corner of the ring, exactly how Edge does his promos, you know. But by his side is Darius the Rumble Grouch. Keith remarks about how he's considered a lost cause ever since he came to WWE. He says the WWE Universe saw it as a foregone conclusion that he was going to lose at WrestleMania, that winning the Royal Rumble was merely a consolation prize. Keith then remarks that he's not the winner of the Royal Rumble, he is now the Rumble. And at WrestleMania, in his final match, Edge will bask in his glory. So now we are on the final stretch to WrestleMania. The feud between the Rated R Superstar and Darius the Rumble Grouch has reached a fever pitch, which culminates in a segment on Monday Night Raw. Edge sits in the ring, contemplating what will happen in his match at WrestleMania when suddenly, and this is where things start to get even more fun, Rumble appears on the screen in the cockpit of a plane. He laughs at Edge before remarking that if he wants to really end things, he's got to do it where it all began. It's called the money plane, and the baddest motherfucker on the planet, Keith Lee, will be on it at WrestleMania. And if you want to walk away with that WWE Championship in your hand, the money plane has you covered because in just two weeks' time, it's going to be Edge versus Keith Lee making history in the first ever plane ride from hell match. I was, Edge I was trying really hard to sit still enough that you would think that I froze or dropped out of the call. Nah, it's <laughs> but okay. Then, but then you made, you made me laugh with the money plane. <laughs> I'm in my own world right now. Uh, Edge then says, I'm not going to do something that stupid. I've got kids. I have a family. At which point Darius laughs and says, speaking of, where we cut to the interior of the private jet itself, which features Edge's wife directly in the front row and Darius's goons walking up and down the aisles. Kelsey Kramer has hijacked a private plane. It's wrestling. Deal with it. Darius then remarks that all he has to do is tilt this little joystick one way or the other and the plane goes down. Edge then says, Kelsey, Darius, I need you to listen to me. And I need you to really listen. Because you've gone off the deep end, man. Because that is my wife on that plane. And I guess you don't realize... Much like most people that listen to fun fiction don't realize that my wife is Beth fucking Phoenix, the diva of doom, the glamazon, a four-time women's champion, a first ballot hall of famer, and as of right now, the baddest motherfucker on that plane. With that comment, the rumble then looks very concerned as we cut back to the cabin where Beth Phoenix just starts beating the shit out of Darius's guards. The plane begins to go into a nosedive, Beth rushes towards the cockpit and literally begins to choke out Darius while riding the plane until suddenly Keith Lee appears, grabs her, and locks her in her sleeper hold. Darius coughs a bit before smirking back and saying, You can't run from the rumble. You can't hide from the rumble and you certainly shouldn't be sending a woman to do your job. Booze from the crowd. Uh, Edge then reluctantly agrees to the match, and it's on. Edge versus Keith Lee in a plane ride from hell match at WrestleMania. 
So what is a plane ride from hell match? I have no fucking clue, so let's do it like WWE would and make it up as we go along. Also, there is no possible way this could ever happen, so let's have some fucking fun. We begin on the tarmac. Keith arrives in a limbo to new music, reinforcing his new nickname of the Rumble. He's dressed for a street fight. He meets a referee who gives him a parachute because they are about to go up into the air. Keith then climbs the stairs to the doorway. When he reaches the top and opens the door, Edge spears that motherfucker out and right onto the entranceway beats the shit out of him. I'm trying to focus. Don't mind me. I was excited about what I wrote. <laughs> I understand maybe a third of it. It's okay, I can explain it later, but I want to tell you about this fun fight, and it won't work if you keep pretending to hang yourself on the call. Tell me about a fight on a plane. Mm, I don't want it anymore. You're mean. <laughs> You nasty person, and now I don't want to tell you my fun story about plane murder. That's not true. You want to so bad. I really do. Uh, Edge beats the shit out of him. They finally fight into the plane. The plane begins to taxi. This is not a normal flight. They are not going to go up in the air super high. It's basically skydiving height, and the plane has been cleared of seats, so we have plenty of room for them to beat the shit out of each other in the air on the money plane. They brawl back and forth as it rises in the atmosphere. They battle to the bathrooms where Edge tosses Keith inside. He gets stuck because Keith leaves a big boy and then Edge just beats the shit out of him. Uh, uh, Keith tries to choke him with an oxygen mask. Meanwhile, the viewers in the arena will be able to look up and see the plane flying above the ring. Meanwhile, back in the plane, Keith is actually trying to wrestle the parachute off of Edge's back before dropping him with a Big Bang catastrophe for a two count. They're at cruising altitude. Things are getting brutalistic because you can't really do a fucking hurricane rata in an airplane. Edge spears Keith, goes for one, two, barely kicking out as Keith Lee at the third. He hulks up, shoots Edge off of his body, stands, rushes Edge, and then they both collide with the fucking door of the plane and they both soar out into the fucking sky itself good <laughs> because this is an impossible match so i can do what i whatever the fuck i want uh keith starts brutally punching edge we see his eyes fade drones are surrounding them filming the whole thing so that's how you see it edge fades keith deploys his parachute edge falls and he's unmoving Last moment, he deploys his chute, and they both land in the fucking arena itself. Brawl back into the ring, Edge levels Lee with a big tackle, locks him into a submission hold, but the rumble interferes, pulls the ref out of the ring before he can see Lee tap. Edge then furiously rushes out of the ring, grabs a drone, and beats the shit out of Kelsey Grammer with the drone. Uh, crowd goes crazy, he turns around, Keith Lee leaps over the ropes, takes out Edge before throwing him back into the ring, goes for the spirit bomb, Edge slips out of it, hits the tackle, the big spear once again, but then Keith Lee avoids it at the very last minute, grabs him in a sleeper hold, and falls back, and Edge has nowhere to go and nowhere to run, and in the center of the ring, Edge is forced to tap out and end his career at WrestleMania, relinquishing his championship to the villainous Keith Lee. Much like his first retirement 10 years ago, Edge once again goes out in a championship match at WrestleMania. 
The following night, in his retirement speech, he puts over Keith Lee as a new breed, a dangerous breed of competitor, and warns the roster to watch out before remarking that he was forced to make a choice at WrestleMania. The choice between doing what he loves and being able to pick up his kids and chase them around the yard. He made the right choice that night. Which then leads Beth Phoenix, his children Ruby and Lyric, to enter the ring because this story was never about wrestling. It was about family. Oh! Oh, it was never mm-hmm. about wrestling, you say. <laughs> and as the crowd cheers and goes crazy and thanks Edge for an amazing career, he looks down at the ring and smiles and says, But just because I'm done here doesn't mean this is goodbye. Darius, the Rumble Grouch, in case you forgot, I am the Rated R Superstar. My name is Adam Edge Copeland, and I'm taking down the money plane again. And then on the Titantron, we see a poster for Money Plane 2. And that's the end of this. I'm going to murder you. So what'd you do, dog? Man, if I had a real thick, I would actually want to kill you right now. <laughs> to be fair, you did make me watch the movie that I knew I would have to do a plot <laughs> synopsis on, which took 40 minutes. Yeah, but it was, it was, that's, it's, qual- it's quality 40 minutes. It's so- and anyway, that wasn't that has nothing to do with, again, the, the, the amount of time we talked about the movie has no impact on the amount of time you described wrestling matches in excruciating detail. Oh, I was trying to not, which is great. So I had an idea. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was, yeah, tell I was, me your fic. I was is having this your a, fic? Uh, no. I was having a hard time trying to figure out what the fuck to do with uh, Freddy just as as a, a story because like it's not like it where it it like you know plays on your fears and, and makes you know fear and stuff this is just the dickhead who goes into your head and stab murders you there so I struggled yeah, with that yeah that was for a thing because like <laughs> when when she visits Wes Craven he's like it feeds on the death of innocence, I guess, because <laughs> I can't say fear anymore because fucking Stephen King took that. <laughs> uh, and then I was like, OK, what if I, I made like a weird thing where, you know, what if you were just real good at lucid dreaming and you could just fuck with him like he pops in your head to kill you and you're like, I know it's a dream. I'm going to turn you into a fucking hamster with my mind. Yeah. Uh, but eventually I was like, all right, since we're going to be mostly talking about New Nightmare, what if I just. Did a, what if we did like a riff on that? And the thing that gets meta is is fun fiction, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that like you and I are trying to put a podcast together, and we just see like a news report flash up that Jeffrey Dean Morgan is uh now is now alive or no he's not he's always been alive. Uh, see, I've only been talking for twenty seconds, not fifteen. It's minutes. not fun, is it? It's not fun to watch your co-hosts <laughs> fake hang themselves while you're trying to tell me something you worked on. I'm talking about a thing you know about, not a thing that you you have absolutely no knowledge of and had no context for. Let me teach you. <laughs> Jeffrey D. Morgan's on the news and he's stealing people's teeth. <laughs> That's a universal concept we can all get behind.
<laughs> yeah, that's a vibe everybody understands. That's a vibe everybody's down with. <laughs> Among us hasn't feared for this moment. Um, Scotty, your problem with your fanfic is just not relatable enough. Anyways, let me talk about Jeffrey Dean Morgan stealing people's teeth. <laughs> you get a you get a phone call, and uh, it's it's just uh, it's just it's just a voice making fucking weird Baby Yoda noises through the line. What? It's Hawk Babadook. He's stalking you and trying to call you. But we never could have figured out what the fuck Hawk Babadook sounds like, so he's just making noises like the baby Yoda does on the Mandalorian. I feel like he can communicate. I feel like we, I don't think Hawk Babadook speaks and exclusively squeaks and squeaks. I think he does. I think they do. Um, and you know what? It's, 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 it's the new nightmare. You know, Fr Freddy can have a robot claw hawk. Babadook only talks like a squeaky toy. It's fine. <laughs> um, I mean, alternatively, the other option is you get creepy phone calls that are just like a voice saying, are you telling me a shrimp fried this rice? <laughs> oh, I thought you meant I would pick up the phone and why you come on here, bring me that teeth, I put them in a jar, put them up on my mantle, make sure you got a good view of them teeth, put some RGB LEDs in that jar of teeth. Look, eventually the point is that uh, you would you would probably have to fight some very unpleasant uh, things of RIP come to life, but at the end of it, you would get a recording from me that would be like, hey, Scotty, thanks for having the guts to make fun fiction. <laughs> also i guess you'd have to like protect your daughter from like wizard hercule <laughs> uh, no honestly i feel like wizard hercule would be like kronk in emperor's new groove where he's supposed to be evil but by the end he's just sitting there like ripley this is the letter a <laughs> you see it look <laughs> I'm a teacher. What sounds an elephant make? I'm a teacher. My wizard noises. My wizard. <laughs> wait, I did not mean to say noises, but you said what sound does an elephant make? Wizard noise one. <laughs> bang bang. Wizard noise two. Halakazam. There you go. Those are just some classic wizard noises. You know how it goes. Like I said, this was an elevator pitch in which are uh, the line between fantasy and reality blurs and. The, ca the fun fiction characters you know and love try to murder you. Can you imagine being in an elevator with someone <laughs> saying the words you just said to them? It would be fucking insane. People don't like to talk to me on elevators. I don't understand why. I know I'm, why. I'm very congenial, and I tell them all of my ideas, and I say, look, it's only going to take the length of this elevator ride for me to tell you about Jeffrey Dean Morgan stealing and eating your teeth. Bing bong. Oh, yeah, another Monday, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, do you ever think Jeffrey... That's crazy. I don't want to bring it up. No, no, no. Go on. Just just tell me. You ever think Jeffrey D. Morgan would just like show up on the news and like talk about stealing people's teeth? 
bing bong this is my stop i'm gonna i'm I'm gonna come back later no the starbucks is on this floor i'll be back in a few i'm gonna take the stairs (laughs) not even trying to smoothly get out of the conversation blatantly saying i am leaving this elevator because of you it's it's like uh it's like that podcast, somebody dies in this elevator, but the only thing that dies is my self-esteem. <laughs> this episode of Fun Fiction, Fred Krueger came and stole both of our selfies. Oh, he, he steals the most powerful thing, self-esteem. Fred Krueger took it from both of us. <laughs> so... So I can't say we fixed it. I plainly cannot say we fixed New Nightmare this week. No. No, that's not what happened here. We created a car wreck this week that everyone just got to sit and watch for an hour. But what are we going to be doing next week? We're going to be making a, another new and even more exciting car wreck. I can't wait to bring my hot new New Day fan fiction to the show it's gonna be them feuding against the shield when john moxley returns from aew which i mean i don't think he's really enjoying his run right now because they let him like go to new japan and stuff and but other than that what are you gonna be doing next week i know i was mean to you and i'm sorry but i just i'm going to wring your neck (laughs) (laughs) next week we're gonna be talking about uh, a film from a different master of horror, one one who pro- people probably like uh, a little more. Uh, that's John Carpenter with the film Big Trouble in Little China with our special guest, Bestie. The one who make the music what let you know it's podcast time? The very same. Oh my God. Is this, I have, I genuinely know nothing uh, about large anxieties in small China. <laughs> is this a... I, I didn't think this was a horror film. It's, it, it's really not, but, you know, I mean... It's just fucking weird, isn't it? It's a delight is what it... I mean, if we wanted to do a John Carpenter horror movie, I guess we could do, you know, like, The Thing or something. Or we can have, I mean, we can have more... I mean, you say you don't like to watch a spooky movie. Oh, no, I was going to say another one that definitely wouldn't lead into Scotty writing any more pro wrestling based fan fiction. They live. (laughs) And here's my three page, 300 page document for how Rowdy Roddy Piper should have been the WWE champion and pinned Hulk Hogan at Mania. I actually, uh, at least I know those names, at least. Um, yeah, Big Trouble Little China. It's Kurt Russell. It's, it's really not. A, it's it's about as much of a horror movie as they live is. But I don't know. It's got a Halloween mood to it. It's got a Halloween vibe. Where can people find you on the internet? <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at Meg underscore Danger. Uh, I, po- I post tweets. I sure do tweet them. <laughs> If you didn't enjoy my wrestling fan fiction, do not follow me on Twitter at Scotty Mo S C O T T Y E M O, because it will be nothing but me ranting and raving about professional wrestling, because that's just been my vibe lately. Because when you quit smoking and weed and everything in the same week, you're just like, I gotta find a new addiction, wrestling. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a time for you. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) 
check out the weird, our actual play TTRPG podcast. It's better than this. Someone Join the weird.com. Someone else is in charge of it. It's not us. Fuck you, best day. We'll thank you next week. Pay Scotty money on Patreon. I am a broken man. <laughs> Pick up that ha 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 Baba Duck merch at merch.alodofpurebs.com. Or else you're going to get phone calls in the night that are just. <laughs> All right. Well, before we end, I think, like, you're right. It was unfair of me to expect you to, like, know everything in my fan. And I do genuinely apologize for that. So. I would like to take you through all of the references in my fan fiction to make sure you understand what's going on. So Biggie Langston is a member of the New Day. He uh, he's he's a, the recent WWE champion. It is actually very. He's the only the third African American champion in company history. A lot of people that's are very a big proud deal. about that. That's that's a big deal. That's an important landmark. It, it was. Uh, Seth Rollins has been a little shit lately, but everyone's really been like waiting for him to get back up to the top because he is like a main event guy. But he's he's I'm, been working. In- I'm, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm, All right, I'm just gonna, well, I'm gonna head um, out. While you do, oh, the big ending—that's Biggie's finishing move, where he just picks you up on his shoulder and he just kind of falls, and it's like they fall on top of him, and I don't know how it's supposed to hurt, but it does. No, no, put the headphones back on. It just—I'm not speaking. <laughs> I'm gonna you, if you're not here, what's the point? What's even the point if I don't tell you about Biggie Langston in the big ending? I'm trying to help you here. I'm trying to help you. Can we just please talk about Biggie Langston? I just really wanted to tell you about Biggie Langston. I've been watching wrestling all day. It's just Biggie this, Biggie that. I want to know why you let the people know about Biggie Langston, WWE champion. Okay, Pepe Sylvia, breathe.